morning. Today we have again the resurrection of Jesus, this time from the Gospel of John, uh, chapter one, chapter 20, sorry, verses 1 to 20. Uh, it's entitled, The Empty Tomb, The Resurrection of Christ. When a handyman or electrician comes to your house to fix something, uh, they fix it, but then maybe w once they're done, maybe they show you what they've done, prove uh, that it's fixed, and then say their goodbyes before leaving. Uh, that's somewhat what Jesus does here, of course, to a much in a much more emotional way, much much more important than just a handyman fixing. But Jesus has come; uh, he's rescued us from sin and death. He's fixed the problem of our sin, uh, and now he shows us that he shows us how <laughs> how things work right now. And you're going to see that throughout uh, the 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 lesson here uh, how death is fixed it's no longer uh death really because it's simply just a gateway to, to life with him and uh he himself is risen from the dead and our relationship with the father uh is fixed uh, that's something that that john emphasizes uh, here as well so uh john chapter 20. Uh, now on the first day of the week mary magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb uh, the other gospel accounts tell us that it was more than just Mary, uh, <clears throat> but uh, the the John doesn't say only Mary, right? He simply says that Mary went. There's nothing in John's gospel that contradicts the other gospel. It's very likely that John is focused on Mary because Mary is the one that comes. Mary Magdalene is the one that comes, as we're going to see in a minute, to tell him and Peter. Uh, what happened and so uh, from john's perspective this is what's going on uh, mary magdalene is the one he knows about the one who comes back to, to tell him him and peter so this is really from john's perspective the fact that the gospels present the resurrection and other accounts of jesus's life in, in different perspectives should by no means confuse us or worry us uh it rather emphasizes the truth of the accounts that these were eyewitnesses account that these people saw it and they're relating what they themselves saw and uh they they all saw it from a, from a different perspective from a ver different view and so because they're they're seeing it from a different perspective uh there are some details that some of them are going to focus on some details that are going to get left out but um there's nothing that implies that one one is wrong and the other is right or that all of them are wrong so Mary Magdalene apparently leaves the tomb as soon as she sees that the stone has been rolled away. Uh, we know from last week's lesson that the other women actually uh, stuck around long enough to see and hear the angel's message. Uh, but Mary Magdalene, seeing that the, that the stone had been rolled away, it seems like she kind of panics a little. Uh, either she doesn't notice the angel or else uh, the angel hasn't really uh, sh revealed himself yet. She just simply seems, sees that the stone is rolled away. And immediately, as we're going to read in the next verse 2, she runs to... to tell Simon Peter what had happened. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved. And so we know that whom Jesus loved, that that's a reference to John. Uh, so it's Peter and John. And said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Uh, so she, in a, in, a, in her hurry to go tell Peter and John, misses the message of the angels. Uh, she doesn't know that Jesus is, is risen from the dead. And she assumes that the body has been taken. 
Verse 3, Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. In verse 4, so they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. Verse 5, and he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen clothes lying there, and the handkerchief had been around his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. So John goes into great detail about the the fact that the cloth was lying there. Uh, this is the first clue that <coughs> Peter and John had, excuse me, that uh, the body hadn't been taken as Mary had supposed. Um, they were probably very confused by this. Why are the claws here? If they uh, assumed that Mary was right, that somebody had taken the bo- the body, why did they take the, the time to unwrap the cloth? Uh, it makes no sense. I, I mean, if you're going to steal the body, first of all, why would you take the time to take the cloth off? And second of all, why would you want to be carrying the body without it being wrapped in linen claws? Um, much preferable to, to carry a dead body wrapped up uh, than to carry a dead body around without the linen claws. So this is the first clue that Simon Peter and and John have that something's going on here that the body hasn't been taken. In fact, the the classic uh, kind of picture of this scene is is not that the linen cloths were simply lying there, but that they were had kind of collapsed as if the body had come right out of them. Uh, so they were just exactly where they would be if they'd been wrapped around Jesus, but now they, they're collapsed and flat because the body is gone. And that's certainly very possible. Um, we can't prove that's the case from the gospel accounts, but it's certainly very possible. The headpiece uh, lying by itself, uh, but yet folded neatly. Again, why would the robbers take the take the time to do that? But it seems like Jesus rose from the dead, and and maybe the the headcloth you know fell off when he did that, and he took the time to fold it up and, and place it there neatly. Uh, all of this indicates that these cloths are no longer needed. Uh, because the body is no longer dead. So this is the first clue, not only that something else is going on here, but that he is indeed risen from the dead. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not know the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. So it doesn't say anything about whether Peter believed at this point, but John uh, does, and John's the one writing it, so he he knows what he was thinking at the time. Maybe he doesn't really know for sure what Peter was thinking at the time. Uh, but he was seeing the lying the claws lying there uh, really brought it home to Peter that oh Jesus must be risen from the dead. Nevertheless, uh, maybe he started to think that and started to hope that, started to believe it on one level. Uh, but it seems like later on, the point is really driven home before he re- when he sees Jesus actually risen from the dead. Uh, whether Peter believed or not, we don't know. Verse 9, when it says, For as yet they did not know the scripture, um, that may well mean before this point. Up to this point, they didn't understand the scripture, but now all of a sudden, the the scripture makes sense to John. He knows those verses. He knows those passages that talk about Jesus rising from the dead, but up to this point, he hadn't understood them. Now, all of a sudden, they make sense. Oh, that's what those passages were talking about is, is kind of the reaction uh, that we get from John yet here. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. Uh, that would be really sad if that were the finality, and, and it does kind of have a, a finality to it, that that phrase, okay, they went home. They saw the linen cloths, they went home. Um, that could have been the end of the account, but of course we know that it's not. Uh, Jesus uh, appears to them in a much more vivid way as well, as well as he does to us. 
But Mary, verse 11, but Mary stood outside the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb and saw two angels in white sitting there, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. There were different... Um, there were different uh, methods of, of burying the body or uh, of laying the body in the tomb. Uh, it wasn't just a cave and the body just laid on the floor. Uh, there was often some kind of table. Sometimes uh, it was like a groove cut into uh, the wall. Um, and you see that a lot in the Roman catacombs in the, in the, in the early Christian church. Uh, the Christians uh, cut these holes into the wall and lay the body in there. But this, because the angels were sitting at the head and the foot, it seems to be that raised uh, platform, perhaps not in the middle of the room. Uh, very very often, these raised platforms would be along the wall. And so think of it kind of like a bench carved out of the, the wall. Um, and that's p very possibly what the angels are sitting on. Although it could have been a raised kind of sarcophagus right in the middle of the room, especially when we consider that this tomb was made for Joseph of Arimathea. He may well have made it as a as kind of a monument to himself. He was a rich guy uh, and made a raised platform right in the middle. That's kind of the classic way it's shown in, in the in the movies and the pictures. Uh, but it, it could have been a, a bench against the wall. In any case, the angels are sitting at the foot at the foot and and the and the head where Jesus' body had been laying. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. You, you see, Mary is so upset and so worried and so concerned that she's just missing all the clues right in front of her. She runs away from the tomb uh, too early to notice or to hear the angels that the other women heard. Now she sees the angels, but it doesn't even occur to her that something's going on here. Um, she sees the angels, but she's she's too preoccupied with her her fears and her worries uh, and her sadness to recognize, hey, these are angels. What are angels doing here, right? Uh, and again, she doesn't really wait to hear what they have to say. And they ask her why why she's weeping, and she kind of pours out her sad story, but then immediately she, she turns away from them. And so now finally Jesus himself kind of has to appear to Mary uh, to call her back from her sadness. Uh, to, to recognize the truth that he is risen from the dead. So Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing the gardener, again, she's too preoccupied with her own grief to recognize what's right in front of her. Uh, she, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. So finally now with the call of Jesus, Mary, he calls her her name. Uh, she finally opens her eye. Her eyes are open. I shouldn't say she opens her eyes. Her eyes are open by the power of Jesus' call to see the truth. Um, Martin Luther used to talk about how he would get uh, sad and depressed. Uh, you know, it seemed to him like the whole world was against him. He was trying to teach the truth of God's word. And, and it, it seemed to him like no one in the Roman church, of course, was willing to listen and um, what if he was wrong, uh, you know, and so he would get into these gloomy moods, and he talked about how his, his wife Katie would kind of jokingly bring him out of them. Uh, she would sometimes dress all in black and, 
And uh, then when Luther asked her, asked her, well, why are you, why are you dressed in black? Who died? Uh, Katie would say, well, from your expression and from your gloom and sadness, I assume Jesus must still be dead, right? And that's kind of what's going on here, isn't it? That Mary is so upset and worried and she, Jesus isn't dead. There's no reason to be sad. And we have that same problem. We kind of get uh, stuck in ourselves and stuck in our own lives and our own sadness and our own worries and we forget uh, to open our eyes to the truth that Jesus is not only risen from the dead but is standing right next to us uh, even if we can't see him uh, and calling us by name and it, and it is that call of Jesus. Uh, Jesus's words Mary it's, it's the thing that opens her eyes and it's that same call of Jesus that opens our eyes to the truth of the gospel uh, often through baptism through his word he, he calls us uh, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters. Uh, he calls us with that same love that he he shows to Mary here, that same concern, Mary. Uh, he speaks to us as well to call us out of the sadness of sin into his eternal salvation. Verse 17, Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, and to my God and to your God. The old King James, which none of us really use anymore, right? But the old King James says, touch me not. Um, and so from that translation, a lot of people have gotten this idea that if for some reason it was wrong for Mary to, to touch him. That's not really what Jesus is saying. It's not really what he means. Uh, Mary seems to have already maybe uh, grasped his foot or grasped his hand. And of course, uh, Thomas in a little bit, Jesus is going to tell Thomas, you know, feel my hands, feel my side. He's going to invite Thomas to, to touch him. So it's not the physical touching that's the problem, but it, it's Mary needing that that physical form. She she doesn't believe when the tomb is empty. She doesn't believe the words of the angels. She doesn't even see the angels. Uh, it's not until she sees the actual risen body of Christ. And, and Jesus is saying to her, you need to let go of that that physical connection to me. I have to return to my Father. Uh, I have to ascend to heaven. I have to rule on high. And you won't be able to see me. Uh, you won't be able to touch me. You need to get used to this. Uh, the time of my physical presence is over. I have more important work to do. But nevertheless, I'm going to be with you uh, regardless. And so Jesus is with us always as well, even though we can't uh, see or touch him. Uh, we, we, we need to let go of that desire to cling to the physical form and trust in, and cling to him through faith. Uh, but notice also his, his um, reassurance, uh, his, his insistence, as we talked about on the fact that that relationship with God is fixed. He really emphasizes it in his words to Mary here. I am ascending to my father and your father. He's no longer just my father. Now, through my death and resurrection, he's your father as well. That relationship with God has been fixed to my God and your God. Uh, what was broken in, in the in the Garden of Eden when God separated himself and was no longer the, the father of mankind, God left humanity in, in a sense, uh, so to speak, uh, is now fixed and now he's he, he's part of us. He's our father and he's our God, just as he was Jesus's father and, and Jesus is God. Uh, and Mary has this, this task to do. She needs to go and tell the disciples what, what she's seen. Uh, another reason why uh, she needs to stop clinging to the physical form of Jesus because Jesus has things for her to do. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. So again, notice that uh, John's focus on Mary Magdalene uh, is not a denial that the other women were there, but Mary Magdalene does, in a sense, 
play a bigger part. She's the first to see the actual risen Lord, and she's the one to come and tell the disciples. Uh, she's the one to come and tell Peter and John that the tomb is empty. And so the disciples' own coming to faith is, in a way, through Mary Magdalene. And so that's very likely why John is so focused on her, uh, not because he's denying the, the presence of the other ones, but because this is the the force or the 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 thing that's important uh, to the account. Uh, the the apostles, when they're writing the gospels, they have to be very picky about detail. They they only have so much space and they have so much to record. Uh, they they can't record all the details and they have to focus on what they think is really important. And of course, what the Holy Spirit shows us is is important uh, through them. Uh, you know, one of the things that people have mentioned about the <laughs> about the gospels, some. Uh, even a early early century a third century um, atheist who who was you know denying the resurrection of Christ really just uh, wrote it off. He wrote off the whole resurrection, saying, "Well, this is just the delusions of hysterical women. They're they're upset. They're crying. They're upset that that Jesus is dead, and and they just." this is all delusional to see it in their vision. And uh, to some extent, that's kind of surprising that the Gospels re record so heavily and rely so heavily on the testimony of the women um, that that third, unfortunately, that's the sinfulness, right? For for people to think, well, women are so untrustworthy. It's a terrible attitude, obviously. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, it was it was the attitude, uh, um, not, not only in the ancient world, <laughs> Um, but unfortunately, even even today, some people uh, feel that way. Of course, there are those who feel the other way. <laughs> Women who think, ah, oh, you can't trust anything men say. Uh, but we don't need to get into that right now. But the point is, but the, so it's kind of surprising that the, the gospel writers do make such a big deal out of the testimony of the women, but they do it because that's how it happened. They're simply recording what happened. Uh, they're not trying to twist the facts, uh, right? <clears throat> or make even make themselves look better. Verse 19 and 20, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his sides, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So now finally the Lord appears to the apostles themselves, the disciples, I should say. It's not just the twelve apostles. Uh, there were others there as well. They see him for himself. They've been hearing rumors of this the whole day. Uh, some of them, as we know, John did head believe. Some of them were like, what's going on? They're not really so sure what to believe yet. Uh, they're, start they're starting to understand, uh, but now Jesus himself comes to them and appears to them. And this is why the early church often met, well, this is why we worship on Sundays, because it's the day that Jesus rose and appeared to his disciples. The early church often not only met on Sundays, but met a Sunday evening, just as uh, Jesus is Sunday evening when Jesus appears to the disciples. So that was uh, the time of day that they met. And of course, that's the whole point of worship is that Jesus comes and appears to us just as he came and appeared to the to the apostles. Uh, he doesn't come and appear to us physically, but he comes to us uh, and appears to us through his sacraments and through his word. And so that's the, the central part of the worship service, that Jesus coming to us to bring his peace, the same peace that he announced to, announced to the disciples. The payment of sin is over. 
now we have peace with God, the, the God who's now our God and our Father, my my God and your God, my Father and your Father. Uh, now we have that peace with God, not peace with the world. You notice that right away, verse nineteen. For fear of the Jews, uh, the world is still out to get them, and the world is still out to get us in in, in a very real way. We don't have peace with the world. Uh, <clears throat> the the world is at war with those who proclaim Christ crucified and risen from the dead. But we have peace with God and with Jesus. Lord's blessings on your Sunday school lesson this week. As always, if you have any questions or comments, email or call me.